This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, everyone. Um, today we're going to be talking about something that, um, you know, look, some reps have it, some reps don't, some reps fake it, but all reps need it. And we're talking about confidence. Now, I, I know when you talk about confidence, uh, confidence is not a thing that you typically think of. A, oh, you know what? Sales reps lack confidence. In fact, it could be sometimes considered the other, other way. And we're not talking about arrogance here. We're talking about confidence, right? It's this feeling. Uh, about empowerment and ability, confidence in their ability to help somebody solve a problem or sell appropriately. And as sales leaders, we must empower our reps to help them build that confidence when selling, right? When a, when a sales rep shows up ill-prepared for a meeting, for example, with a prospect, it shows, it definitely shows. And reps must be able to confidently tell the right, right story, speak confidently to competitive claims, and build trust in order to win more, especially in this age of digital transformation. So how can we prepare our reps to show, to just basically show up to every meeting with confidence, right? That's the question for today's show. So here to explore this with me today, chew on this piece of leather with me today, Mr. Paul Whited, Director of Sales Operations at Green Shield Canada. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Excited to be here. Yeah. All right, my friend, before we get into our conversation, our listeners always want to hear about our guests. So tell us about you. Tell us more about your experience. Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, I'm the director of sales operations at Greenfield Canada here. So we are an employees benefits company. Uh, and to be honest, I'm fairly new to the sales side of the organization. I joined here just before Christmas. Uh, so that's been six or seven months or so, um, but not new to sales overall. Uh, the previous two years uh, before joining this group, I, I headed up the contact center solutions, which is your customer service and related departments uh, that, that support that area. Um, but prior to that and prior to joining this company, I spent time in software and telecom and mainly in sales or sales management roles, um, some account management, some um, training roles where, you know, training, uh, creating training programs in a, in a lot of sales and sales management roles. So, you know, even though I'm new to this side of the company, it's maybe uh, a more natural fit based on my, uh, my, my history. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, my friend. Well, let's talk about this idea of sales confidence. Um, first, maybe we can just maybe unpack it a little bit. What, what is, what are we talking about here when we're talking about sales confidence? You know what? I think you may have mentioned before when we were chatting, salespeople generally have confidence. It's rare for someone to get into sales and not be confident. So I think there's a bit of a nuance here. We're talking about being prepared to be completely confident, right? It's a different level of confidence where sometimes we go in, we have a sales presentation and we know the basics, but this is kind of taking it to the next level and having that level of preparedness to, to really get the message across and to move your prospect to you know, the next action, whatever that may be. Okay. So when we're talking about confidence. We're talking about preparedness. I love that definition, right? This is not the arrogance. This is none of that, that stuff. We're talking about specifically preparedness. So let's, let's get into it then. Um, why do reps, let's do the opposite. You know, why do reps often feel unprepared? What, what causes rep confidence to dip? Yeah. You know what, if you look at sales overall and you're to go back decades, 
the sales reps had a lot more um, information. So if you're a salesperson, you held all the information and the, the client maybe didn't hold as much. Now that's changed quite a bit. Information is available every place. Um, with the internet, people can go on and do some research. And a lot of time, the person you're presenting to has a lot of information. Sometimes they know things that you don't know because they've been doing some research and studying. So I think that's one piece is there was a, a confidence going back decades where you knew you held all the information and that's changed quite a bit because the information is out there. So I think that's one piece that you'll have to look at is, is you know, you want to go in and have the right information. And I think that's a key point is the right information. So you, know, you have your features, your advantages, your, your benefits, all that stuff that's related to you, your company, and your product, but also understanding what's important to the person that you're speaking to, because no sales call is going to be alike, even though there's going to be lots of similarities. So, you know, if I'm speaking with a client or a salesperson is speaking with a client, what are the key things that are really important? And that's where you need to focus your time and attention. There's a whole lot you can talk about. There's tons of information, but you need to be pinpointed if you really want to move the conversation forward. And, that, and that's at the end of the day, the purpose of every sales rep is to move the conversation towards the next step. Absolutely. And I'd say, you know, not even move it to a, a win and a close. Of course, we want to move it to a win and a close. And these podcasts are about increasing your wins. But you also want to get to if it's going to be a no because you're not the right fit, you want to get there as quickly as possible, too. So you want to take that next step forward. So every conversation should be a step in a direction towards a decision one way or the other. Of course, we're going to try to get more of those uh, in the yes column than the no column, but you just want to move it forward for sure. Okay. <clears throat> so I, 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 this idea of sales confidence, I think matters. And we've talked about this lack of preparedness and, and some of the issues that are following up. But now I want to talk about tenure, right? I want to talk about new sales reps versus seasoned. And, and if there's any difference, do you, I mean, do you see a difference in um, between reps that are, that are you know relatively new to sales versus those more seasoned sales reps and how unpreparedness might apply to both um yeah i mean a little bit to both now if you're a seasoned sales rep sales is a performance position right so you get paid by your performance um there's not a lot of long tenured salespeople that have are in the profession that aren't successful right so it's it's comes with the territory uh you know you have to learn how to do it because you're, you're that's how you're paid um so i'd say differences between the two i'd say a a more senior or more seasoned salesperson is confident with the, the process overall, confidence with the ebbs and flow, confident with the uncertainty. Um, and, and maybe a newer one, you know, they haven't seen some of the stuff uh, before. So it's your first time. So I'd say it's no different than any other profession in the fact that the longer you do it, the more comfortable you are doing it, right? So uh, I'd say that's the same for this and for any other one. The only other difference that I've seen, and it's really tough to generalize because every person is different. Every salesperson is different. So. I know. It's a, it's a crazy question. I want to say, you know, it's, it's super generalized. I know. I, I put you in a terrible position. I don't want to, I don't want to get bad comments here coming in, but I, I mean, it's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to generalize, but some of our more seasoned sales reps want to see the value of the new tools that we have. So if we're looking at a, an intelligent tool, if we're looking at a new way to slice and dice some of the information, they might be thinking, hey, I've done this successfully for 20, 25, 30 years, you know, what's the value of this new tool? And maybe there's um, someone who's a little bit newer and new to the profession and wants to jump in and try some of the new tools right out of the gate. So uh, sometimes you might see a little bit of a difference in that. 
okay, there's two things here that I want to I want to continue to to go down. Number one, uh, it's it's this idea of uncertainty. You, you just, I mean, there's a Pandora's box that I want to open up a little bit there. And then you mentioned also the value of tools. You're talking about specifically the sales tech stack tools. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, first, I want to talk about uncertainty. You mentioned that a seasoned sales rep that is successful. And if you're seasoned, chances are you've been around long enough. You you found some success. That's why you're still in the profession. They are comfortable with uncertainty. What do you mean? Because that that is that that's a big that's a big key learning here. That I, especially for our our listeners that are new to sales, I, I want them to hear this. What do you, what do you mean they're comfortable with uncertainty? I, I think maybe in a couple different ways. So one of them, I talked about moving the sale forward to the, whatever the next step may be. And there's that uncertainty when you're first starting of is this going to be a sale that I win or is it going to be a sale that I'm, I'm not going to get as we go through? And I think people that have been doing this for a little while know that you're going to win some and you're you're not going to win other ones. And they they kind of um, don't get caught up in that emotional roller coaster as much as other people. So uh, I had one one mentor for a long time that said you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster here and you're going to have some big highs and some big lows. But the key is to one know you're on the roller coaster. And the second thing is to stay on it. And the way to stay on it is put your bar down. And I think the people that have been doing this for a little while, they, you know, figuratively put down their bar. They realize it's there's going to be some ups and downs and they just need to keep pushing it forward to whatever the next step may be. Um, and I see that tenured salespeople are a little bit more seasoned salespeople. Um, they're a little bit more comfortable with that uncertainty from step to step. Okay. So love that, that, that further exploration of what uncertainty means. Uh, let, let's talk about the sales tech stack. Um, now, uh, specifically, this can be, I've seen this with a lot of organizations that we've worked with where sales tech stack, new, uh, uh, here's an, oh, great, another tool. Here's another tool. And before you know it, the salesperson is managing 13, 14, 15 freaking different disparate tools and processes, and they're pulling their hair, hair out and, you know, like, look, let me go sell. When, when we're talking about this, the value of the tool, you said, perhaps a more seasoned sales rep might say, or even a new sales rep might say, what's really the value of, of the tool? You know, what, tell me more about that. Let's unpack that a little bit. Tell, what, what yeah. do you mean? So, I mean, first it's a valid question. You should be asking what's the value of anything you're doing. So when you get these new tools in, you want to ask what, what's the value of this tool. So for like our um, sales intelligence program, you know, we're using that in many different areas. So it's not just in sales. We want to use it in sales. We use it in underwriting and marketing and product development, and we grab that information. So I think that's one. But when I look at tools overall in the confidence and going in for uh, a sales presentation or conversation that you're having with someone, I think there's there's two main things. You want data or information in a digestible format, something that's easy to digest. There's lots of information, but you need to take it in and make some sense of it and give some meaning to it. And then the second piece you need for the confidence that we talked about earlier is a process to properly prepare for whatever the presentation or conversation you're having. So grabbing that information from your tech stack, whatever the tools are, and disseminating it, making sure that you've got it all together and you have the meaning out of it. And then what are the steps that you're going to take to prepare and have something that's predictable, repeatable, and reliable, and that's going to bring in some results? Okay. So uh, we, we've talked a little bit about what is sales, you know, what is this confidence that we're talking about? We've talked about why they're unprepared. We've talked about the differences between maybe a seasoned rep and a younger rep. Let's talk about the gaps. So, you know, where, from your perspective, Paul, where are reps biggest gaps for preparation? Yeah. 
Some of the easiest ones that I've seen just recently, and this might not be across the board, but it's something that you know, we're talking through internally right now. We do a really good job at telling our story. Uh, we tell the story of the company. The company has a unique story of how it came together, um, which is great. We tell the story of our, our products, our features, our benefits, how we do business, and we do things a little bit differently than some of the other um, competitors in the marketplace. It's good to be able to tell your story, but you need to tell a story that's important to the person you're speaking with. So it, you have to speak from the point of view of your customer and understand what's important to them and have something that's relatable. So when you talk about being prepared, part of that data gathering and part of the gap that you wanna fill is, you know your stuff. You wanna know what is important to them, what they're looking at in the marketplace. So what's the marketplace saying? What are they saying? And then what makes them tick as a person as well? And if you have all of those pieces of information, you can go in and craft a message that really hits home and hits the mark with the person that you're speaking with or the group of people that you're speaking with. So we always look at getting the data in and then what's that process to prepare the data. It's going to be a common theme that you're going to hear um, to get ready to have that conversation. So, and, and I think this is where, gosh, I don't remember if it was the last episode that we did or maybe a couple before, but we got into this conversation about connecting with human beings and it was about knowing enough, but then getting into the connective tissue. And that's really where I think that this story telling the right story that you're talking about here is coming to be. This seems imperative and tricky, right? So that this is really important to do, but it's also kind of hard uh, to, to, to determine. So how do they determine the right narrative, the right story to bring to the table? You know, what, what, what tips and tricks might you give our listeners? Yeah, so it's a bunch of those things that we talked about. So it's one, grabbing your tools. So if you have a, an intelligence program, it's grabbing information from there to understand what the market's saying and how you compare against the market. But it's also doing your research and asking questions of the person that you're going to present to. Um, so there's some, some easy ways to do that, but really start to ask what's important to them and, and understand that, and then start to put together those pieces. And, you know, we kind of go through a bunch of steps and, and, and one of the things that you can do is, um, something like wish. And I don't know if you've ever heard of wish. It's a simple acronym. Um, so tell, we, tell us more. I, I, yeah, I don't know anything about wish. So we use this for experienced people and for people that aren't, aren't that experienced giving presentations. So if you need to pull someone else in from someplace else in the company, they can use the same thing. So. WISH is an acronym and it stands for who, um, the issues, solutions, and then help. So say you had a, a sales meeting and someone calls you in and maybe you're not a salesperson, maybe you are, maybe you're just called in to help and it's in two hours from now. If you go through and start to check through like, who's this person and what makes them tick and what's important to them and start to get that, that piece or who else is going to be in the room if it's a, a bunch of people. And then what are the issues that are most important to them when you get to the eye and start to map out all those issues? And then what are the solutions that I can offer to them that are within our wheelhouse and within our offerings? And then how can I help or who can I pull in to help with this? And that's a really quick five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute way to grab some information. And if you're brand new to this opportunity and you're coming in to help out with it, you can start asking your colleagues, like, who am I speaking to? What are their issues? What's most important? How can we solve for that? And how can we fix that? And who else can we bring in to help? So that's one of the really quick basic tools that anyone can learn in just a couple minutes. So I, I love the acronym. Uh, what's interesting to me is as you were describing this, I didn't hear you say anything about feature functionality of, of whatever you're selling. Why not? You know what? The facts are, are great, for, you know, but that's not what's going to move it forward. If you have a personal connection with someone, 
you tell the right story um, that's accurate and honest and transparent, um, that, that's what you need to move it forward more than the, the feature advantage benefits. I think that's old school selling and it kind of goes back to the, the first thing that I said or, or one of the things I said early on in this conversation is back before people didn't know the features, the advantage, all that stuff because they didn't have the information. They're coming to the conversation all the times with that information or even a thought of what they're looking for. So it's more to find out what they're looking for and then also to understand some of their unrecognized needs and pro provide some thought leadership there but then find out what's important to them and tell that story um, rather than just going through a, a fact sheet. I mean, people can get that on the internet. Um, we want our salespeople to connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, that human element, and then tell the story. Okay, so um, this digital transformation, the, the, the advent of having basically as much information as people, as buyers want to educate themselves on, online is available for them kind of 24 seven. So they're coming to the table with features and, you know, features and bennies, you know, features and bennies that used to, the old way of selling. Let, let us tell you all about our product. We've gone from that to this, trying to understand the customer's issues. Like you were saying in your wish acronym, understand the customer's issues and where they are in their issue evaluation and then meeting them with where they are. It's almost like we're, we're not, at least at the early at the early stages here, it's not about selling them stuff. It's about understanding where they are in their evaluation process and trying to help them further take take next help them take next steps, not you. Am, am I following? Absolutely, absolutely correct. And I, I know you talk about it, you know, analogies or metaphors. And one of the things that we, you know, always said early on going through this, and I mean people have said this for a long time, but it's the doctor analogy, right? You, you can't make a diagnosis or, you know, a, a course of treatment until you really understand what you're trying to treat. And if you do and you get it wrong, there's some consequences to that, right? You're going to have a, a customer that has a product or a solution that's not the right fit. And it's not going to deliver the right result. They're not going to be as happy as they could be. And they probably won't be as loyal of a customer, right? Because it's not the right fit for them. So taking a little bit of time upfront in, in understanding what's important to them and then speaking to that and trying to solve that, like truly going out to help your client and trying to make their life easier or better or solve a solution or an issue that they have. Oh my gosh, Paul. So um, in our work with win-loss analysis, we hear from buyers all the time what it's like to, ex what, what their experience is like to buy from X company, right? Yeah. And one of the things that stands out often from sales behavior is the ability of the sales rep to tailor the presentation and demonstration, right? Whatever you're presenting, whatever you're demonstrating, uh, whatever it is to tailor it. Now, when we say tailor, we're not saying narrow the feature functionality presentation. They're saying specifically, I need them to see things from like almost stand in my shoes and see the situation from my vantage point. Okay, how can sales reps differentiate, differentiate themselves, differentiate themselves with narrative? This is where really where I think we're starting to get the, the rubber in the road starting to meet here. Um, and the, the reason I'm asking specifically for the term differentiate is we found in our research that it's not good enough to be good enough. If we're going to win, we have to differentiate ourselves from the competition. So how do we do that with narrative? Um, it's a really great question. I mean, it's, I, I think the thing is, in most marketplaces, a lot of the products are similar, right? 
And if you just do the feature and benefits, like you're talking about, we used to call it FAB, uh, feature advantage benefits, right? Yeah, yeah, so if, yeah. if you're just doing something like that, um, it's going to sound very similar. Like if you're, if you're out selling a car right now and you talk about all the different features, of the car, they're all very similar. You, you can get them in a Kia, a Kia, you can get them in a BMW. And a lot of times they're, they're the same stuff. But I think it's back to that other point. We, we differentiate by speaking to the need and speaking to what's important um, and then how we uniquely fill that need. So sometimes, you know, at the end result, we might be offering the same service. We might have a different way of going about it. And one of the key things you can get from win-loss analysis is you can see what your clients value in you and what they value in competitors, what they value overall. Um, you know, sometimes you go in there and you think, oh, price is going to be so important or this particular feature is going to be so important. And they say, you know, it's your service, your service wins or your service is great, but we don't, we don't talk to you enough. We'd rather talk to you a little bit more or whatever the case may be. Um, in our world, it's a little bit different because not only do we get it for that particular deal, but generally we sell through an advisor. So that advisor, it's not their first time that they've dealt with us. They've probably were the advisor on many other deals. So they can say, hey, it's, it's a theme. So not only on this win-loss, this is what we saw, but we've seen it on the last few. So we get some additional value because you get to see the the trend or the arc overall of the feedback that we're getting from the win-loss. Okay, so uh, you mentioned the word arc. And every I have a son um, who's, a, who's a writer uh, and he loves to, loves to write. He just writes and writes and writes. Uh, he talks about his story arc all the time, okay? Yeah. So um, when we're talking about narrative, almost never have I seen a real sales cycle go through just a singular narrative. It, it varies from what stage they are in their, in their education and evaluation process to once they've narrowed it to maybe the top two or three vendors that they want to go get a, a demo from or an appraisal from whatever. And then they have to narrow it to make the decision. And then in the decision-making process, they have also narrative around what it's like to actually close the deal with, with an organization. Um, tell me about the arc of sales storytelling. You know, where, where does that, how does that change over through the sales cycle? Yeah, it, I mean, you hit the, the nail on the head there. Again, this is going to be customer driven. That's another theme that you'll probably hear through this all the way through. It's going to be customer driven. And there's a few different ways to do this, right? So some basic ones, and maybe we should rename this episode, the, uh, the acronyms of selling. Um, but there's- <laughs> And the, we need more uh, acronyms. We don't have right, enough, right? We, acronyms, right? we always laugh at this company. We have too many acronyms, but, but maybe maybe this we, we should rename this one. But um, you know, the situation, the obstacle in the solution, so the SOS to try to understand what's the situation they're in now, what they're trying to go through all the way through. Um, I think if you really do a good job upfront, you'll uncover a lot of what's important. But to your point, Ryan, as you start to have additional conversations, maybe some unrecognized needs from the first conversation will pop out or they'll be like, oh, we didn't think about that, it'll pop out. You'll need to be flexible enough to, to change course. But then when you actually get into the arc of storytelling or the, the presentation that you're in there right now, there's usually kind of that beginning, middle, and the end, right? And if you understand what's important to them, you'll start the beginning with something that's gonna catch their attention, whether that's a stat or a figure, or just restating what they said is important to them and, and make sure you capture that piece up front. And that's quick. It's maybe 10, 15%. You just want to get their attention and, and confirm that you understand. And then in the middle, you're going to talk about kind of the meat of it. And that could be, you know, all the way up to 80% of the conversation. So, you know, start to really dig into the problems uh, a little bit more um, in depth. 
and the solutions that you can provide and, and kind of walk through those. And if there's more than one, like you mentioned, maybe there's a couple that you'll walk through or talk through at the same time and tie those into one theme. And then at the end, you'll have your co your um, conclusion. And that's where you'll talk about um, maybe the, the benefit, tying up with the summary, and then asking for the next action or moving it to the next action. So I think it's good to kind of understand what all those pieces are um, and, and have kind of a set agenda to move yourself through. I love that. I, I think the thing that I like most is this, this idea of flexibility. At the end of the day, um, I've seen so many sales reps, especially the newer, the, the younger, newer sales reps, they come in, they're like, okay, I've practiced my talk track, my talk track. Yeah. And I've got this really cool deck and you know, I'm prepared. I'm ready to roll. They get into the meeting and somebody takes a left at Albuquerque, right? It's like, whoop, we go in this direction over here and they're like, oh, that's really neat. Now let's come back to my deck that I've prepared for you. Right. So uh, how does, how does, um, how does that play? Right. So um, let's say I've done all that work and I've, I've plowed in, you know, hours into prep preparation. So I have good confidence and then I get into the meeting and somebody does take that left-hand turn or right-hand turn, they go in a totally different direction. How can I still maintain some sort of arc in the moment and flex in just in time? You know what, it, what you just said um, probably perfectly captures what we talked about at the beginning between more experienced sales reps and salespeople and maybe some newer ones. And we talked about being comfortable with uncertainty. I think that's it. To know that anything could happen You've done this a while and you're prepared to, to you know, take the next steps because they've seen some of these and they know that there's going to be twists and turns. They're not by, surprised by it and they're not going back to this rigid talk track that they had before. So I, I think what you said there is, is clearly defines that. And then in terms of just being flexible, at some point, if, if there's a big turn and it's a, a U-turn or turn in a completely different direction, you might just need to stop and ask a couple questions, right? And just say, hey, my understanding was this. Am I off a little bit? Tell me a little bit more. It's a great opportunity to understand your client a little bit better. And I think everyone should be prepared for that to happen over time. And we all know our products and services well enough. And once you've done this for a bit, you have that kind of repertoire or um, you know, a list of stories that you can, you can go into. So I think it's, you know, if they take a big turn, ask a couple questions and get back on track. So I love that, but, but there's a major problem. And that is if they turn left and I thought we were going down this place that could potentially put me in a vulnerable position as a salesperson. So how do I overcome my own fear of being viewed as maybe ill-prepared or, you know, how do I protect my, my confidence, not necessarily my arrogance, but ensure that I'm staying aligned to what the customer needs is, how, how do I deal with that? Yeah, I think a, a, a few things, right, is, is one, in your preparation, be prepared for everything. Do a, do a good job preparing, right? So if you prepare up front and you're not too narrow in your focus, but if you're really doing your job and, and preparing, um, that, that's going to help you overall. I think that's the first one. And then the second one is, is this is more of an emotional piece, is just uh, learn to include this as part of the process. So it's going to happen. I think where we get into challenges and whether this be in sales or just in our personal life is when you start to fight against something that's happening, it's the energy spent trying to fight to go back in the other direction. So if they take that left turn and you go in and grab the wheel and try to pull them back, it's going to be obvious and it's not going to be pleasant for anyone involved. So at that point, it's, you know, to include that as part of the experience and, and start to go down this new path because if they're going in that direction already, that's probably the area that they want to go. And it's probably the direction they want to take. So 
Um, I think I wouldn't fight those. I would ask some of those questions, try to really truly have that um, empathetic listening and questioning and understand why they're going down that path and, and adjust along the way. I think that that idea of empathetic listening and then response, I think that is is way under talked about and way undersold. Uh, from my experience, when whenever I hear somebody who's purchased and they have mentioned during the presentation, hey, we, we threw them a, a curveball and they just went with it. They are like that demonstrated to us that they could really partner with us when we change, when we have new things come up. It's a demonstration of partnership. So I, I love that. So we focused really on salespeople so far. Let's talk about our non-sales folks, right? Those sales engineers, those other people that have to come in that maybe aren't necessarily customer facing all the time, right? Um, at some point, uh, at somebody inside the organization who is not typically, typically customer facing, likely will get called into a sales meeting, right? And this, oof, this is like a, a toss of the dice, man. Is this person gonna, are they gonna, are they gonna crash and burn or are they gonna knock it out of the park? So maybe it's somebody from product, maybe it's somebody from dev. How do we empower these people, the, these other team members to be aligned with sales on how they talk about the business, product or service? Yeah, uh, great point. So uh, there's some similarities, right? There's, there's similarities for sure. And I think the part that's similar is a sales rep is going to be an expert on their offering, their product, their solution, their service, whatever it is, they're, they're usually an expert on it. When you bring in someone from another place in the business, you're bringing them in for their expertise. You're not bringing them in for their sales skills. So they might be an expert on a certain product or technology or a, a process, a way of doing things, right? Um, so in that respect, they both have the same. I think what can happen or what should happen in the next piece is your salespeople should work with that new person to understand their comfort level with presenting. And I think that's the first piece is use the expertise of a salesperson or someone who has these conversations on a regular basis to get them up to speed. But then also some of the basic tools, right? So sit down with them and say, this is what we, we found out in discovery. Here, here's who we're talking to. This is, you know, here's their, uh, their issues. Here are some of the solutions we're providing. This is what we're trying to accomplish. So I think there needs to be that internal conversation first. And you can use tools. You can use the basic tools like which that we talked about earlier to say, here's who, here's the issues, here's the solutions, here's how we're going to help, or here's specifically how you can help or your department can help. So there's all of that, but there's also your win-loss analysis, there's, you know, website information, anything else that you can gather, you want to grab that information. But I do think it's an internal prep conversation before you get into the meeting with the client and to talk through what the end goal is. Nothing worse than getting into um, you know, a presentation with a client and you have four or five presenters and we, we often have several presenters in, in our meetings and not all of them are from the sales uh, organization and not being clearly aligned on what the client wants and where we're going, right? So I think those are some really key basic ones that in the rush and the hustle and bustle, sometimes we forget to take a step back and just say, really basic in 30 seconds, this is, this is what's going on and here's where we'd like to go with this. So from your perspective, really, what's the impact of, look, I, I know salespeople are really busy and they don't want to spend the time. If I'm not selling, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing my job, but, but really what's the impact um, of not doing that preparation with those other people? Yeah, I guess the impact at the end of the day, if you're talking about the, the end result impact is you just close less sales. Uh, you're, you're definitely going to close less. It will show to the client if you're not aligned internally or not prepared. And if you do close the sales, uh, the sale, you definitely run the risk of not getting the best solution. 
So that could become a retention issue down the road, right? So I, I think those are the, the two things. When you're prepared and you're aligned, your, your client feels it, they know it. Um, and also, you know, some of us have been in that sales presentation where um, the client says something and, you know, someone who's new to the, the sale or who's just unprepared says something like, oh, no, that's not it. And everyone else knows like you're, you've taken it off course a little bit. So um, it, it shows. And at the end of the day, it affects sales and it affects retention. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and by the way, what you just said uh, for, you know, uh, a person like me, who's delivery operations, that's, that's where I, that's my, my role, my, my life. Um, the salesperson having some vision into the future around what it might mean to, to have the right or the wrong solution in place and what that could do to retention. Oh, brother, that we could do a whole other episode just on that one issue. That's such a great <laughs> topic. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, all right, Paul. So uh, maybe the last question here, let's, let's wind down our conversation. If you could, you know, if you could leave our listeners just one piece of parting advice, you know, if you were breaking bread, having a beer, you were sharing a coffee, you were just talking with somebody and you were just said, look, um, this is the best, this is the one thing you, you should do to help create the right narrative. What would it be? What's that one thing? The one thing that I would say is it starts with the preparation, right? Um, in sports, they always say practice harder than you play. You're not winning the game during the game. It's all the work that goes in. So if you want to get the right narrative and, and really hit the mark, it's understand your client, understand really what's important to them, do your homework, understand the market. So there's the understanding of the client, their needs, it's the understanding of the market and how you compare to your, your competitors and start to package and understanding what you offer and start to package that up um, in, in your sales conversations. So, you know, if I had to distill it down to a few things, it's that preparation, really understand what's important. Um, two, you'd want to speak to the client's needs, right? And, and really have that arc, have that storyline. And at the end of the story, have a call to action, right? And, and move it to the next step. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, could be a yes, it could be a no, but I think you want to move it forward to the next step. Um, because if it's a yes or no, that's great, but you want to get to the next person who could be a yes, if it's a no. And if it is a yes, then you want to get that customer enrolled and, and happy and, and enjoying the products or services as soon as possible. Paul, man, this was a phenomenal conversation. I, I think our listeners got a lot of tips and tricks and insights from you. Thank you so much for your time and attention on this, on this matter. Truly, Ryan, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me here today. I really enjoyed it. And listeners. For more from Primary Intelligence and our friends at Green Shield Canada, be sure to check out the show notes at primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and share. It's listeners like you that make the podcast possible. We'll see you next time.